Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking to sports science coordinator and assistant strength and conditioning coach at the Miami Dolphins, Adam Lachance. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast. So today I am speaking to Adam Lachance, who is at the Miami Dolphins. So Adam has got a really, really interesting background coming through the military and going through his education a little bit later, but finding himself as the sports science coordinator and assistant strength coach at the Miami Dolphins. So in this episode, we chat around his use of force plates and force plates data and how he is able to communicate that and try to make decisions based off that with the technical coaches at the Dolphins. So one thing that really came out for me in this episode was Adam's strength and conditioning background, but his role as a sports scientist and how that helps him form relationships with the technical staff, but also be able to relate some of the data to what he's seeing on the field and in the gym because of his coaching eye. So I found that really, really interesting. So hopefully that comes across in this episode. So we're going to get over to the chat with Adam. I hope you enjoy it. But as always, I would really, really appreciate any sort of feedback. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by Hawking Dynamics, the world's first wireless force plate testing system. So the Hawking Dynamics system is built around what coaches want so they can test in the real world and not just in the lab. So you're able to capture reliable data on all athletes in a matter of minutes and monitor progress from their cloud-based system from anywhere in the world. So as I've mentioned, the Hawking Dynamics force plates are wireless, which means they're portable, and they're also trusted by teams at a number of different levels in a number of different sports. So integrating force plates into your athlete monitoring system uh, could not be easier and more affordable. So if you want to get to know a little bit more about Hawking Dynamics or actually see their plates in action, Head over to the website, uh, which is hawkingdynamics.com, um, which you can, I mean, you can also schedule a demo, and follow them on Twitter at hawkingdynamics. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by iMeasureU. So used by leading sports practitioners and biomechanics researchers worldwide to capture and compare multi-limb inertial data in the field, IMU Step from iMeasureU is a dual sensor and app lower limb load monitoring tool which helps practitioners optimize return to play for running based sports. So iMeasureU have just released their new and improved waterproof sensor Blue Trident, which includes ultra high G capabilities to quantify high impact steps such as cutting, landing and sprinting, longer battery life to collect data all day, real-time feedback to aid immediate interventions and faster workflow so practitioners can review long training sessions within minutes of training completion. I Measure You, now part of Vicon, works with military, pro and collegiate coaches and athletes from around the world, including the Australian Institute of Sport, US Department of Defense and collegiate and pro teams from around the world. If you want to get to know more about I Measure You, head over to their website, imeasureyou.com or follow them on Twitter or Instagram at imeasureyou. So without further ado, over to the episode with Adam Lachance. Thanks for tuning into the Pace Performance Podcast. So this evening, I'm delighted to welcome Adam Lachance for his first podcast episode. So welcome to the podcast, mate. Ah, thanks, bro. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. Pleasure to uh, 
to host your first experience of being on a podcast. Yeah, that's uh, it's honor. When you got when you contacted me, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. Do I say yes or do I say no? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little nervous. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great to have you, mate. It's great I, to I have you. It. I'm honored. I'm honored to for you. Awesome. I know you've had a lot of big names on this, and you know I've listened to your show a little bit more so in the past, maybe not as much recently as I'd like not like to admit, but um, just schedule wise and everything. But I mean, yeah, I did appreciate your show when I was listening and the people you've had on. So I'm honored to be one of the ones that you've asked. Pleasure, mate, and thank you to the guys at Hawking for uh, for hooking us hooking us up on the yeah, uh, on, on email. Yeah, for Ben and the guys. Yeah, outstanding. Yeah. But anyone that doesn't know who you are, anyone that's watching the video, they can see where you where you work. I'm loving the I'm loving the kit. I'm absolutely <laughs> loving the kit. Yeah, anyone, you guys like the sweatshirt that they're, they're trying to get me to cut them for them and stuff. And I, I, don't know, I just wear South Florida. We don't really need hoodies now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, anyone doesn't know who you are, do you just want to give us a bit of a. A background yourself where you've been pre-dolphins what you do out the dolphins and and all the good stuff education wise as well sure um see so yeah, i uh i grew up in rochester new hampshire small town uh, in new england and uh shortly after high school i joined the military um the army for just under seven years um from there i got out did a um two-year associate degree in health and exercise science at a Sandhills Community College. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my career after the military, and I knew fitness and sports is something I was always really into, and so I kind of just, and it's, it's stupid not to go to school when the GI Bill and the military is kind of paying for it, and you guys got free money sitting there. It's like, well, I might as well use it. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I dabbled in that a little bit, and then from there, I really ended up liking it. And I thought that program did a really good job based on what I know now, too. Um, but it really got me excited and, and eager to learn more. And then I found out the GI Bill and the government was willing to pay for me to go anywhere. And I'm like, well, I'm over here at an associate, like at a community college. I'm like, I can go anywhere. They're like, yeah, yeah, anywhere. So I applied to different schools. And uh, University of Miami was one of them and got accepted. So it was a big, exciting move for me um, to kind of moved to Miami from North Carolina, where I was at the time, and I've only been to North Carolina and New Hampshire. So, um, so moved down there, it was able to fit my uh, undergrad and graduate degree within like a five-year span with the with the GI Bill there. So it's, they fully paid for it, which is really awesome. And then, but also I, that's, it opened up a lot of doors for me from experience-wise and, and meeting certain people that kind of, you know, led you in the right direction and kind of set you up for success for, um, your future in a way. So the program was good and the networking that it offered was even better. So, um, and then, so, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go on, mate. Carry on, carry on. I'm interested. Yeah. So from there, um, actually, when I left North Carolina, I was working with um, uh, Joe Gomes's wife uh, at a corrective exercise specialist um, little facility they had. And she was one of my instructors at the time at the community college. So, which, I, at the time, I'm like, I didn't know who he was. I didn't, you know, and she had a different last name than he did. So it didn't really connect, even if I did. Um, and he kind of introduced me to Darren Krein and David Paloka up here in, in Miami. He's like, oh, you're going to school in Miami. He's like, I'm happy to make a phone call. You know, his wife said, you've done well. And, you know, it's super honored from that standpoint as well. And, and just kind of being in the right place at the right time, I ended up having an internship here with the Dolphins in 2014, uh, 2015, excuse me, and then ended up going back to school. And then some coaching changes were made during that time. And then Wayne Diesel, who was a sports performance and sports science director at the time, 
uh, called me back, says, hey, do you want a job? And I was, <laughs> I was taking like eight classes that semester. <laughs> like, advanced systemic physiology was one of them. And I was like, yeah, I do want a job, but not really because this is busy. But I, I took it. And uh, again, right place, right time. And I just kind of toughed it out through school. And But I think that had, that had a lot to do with kind of, I would call it my success at the time, because if you're able to learn those principles and the why behind a lot of stuff and at the same time apply them while you're doing, while you're learning it. I think it just either sticks more or just makes that much more sense. And I'm a big into like, I need to do it in order to really understand it opposed to just read the book or, re- or read the paragraph or whatever it is, the research paper be like, I have to have it and do it and, and to really get a full understanding of is this even feasible? Is it working? Okay. Now it makes way more sense or whatever it is. So I think that was a big, point for me that was like, helped me out a lot especially in school like now i can answer the questions more logical because i've seen it and i've done it in order it's like you can explain your your answers a little bit better in a sense if that makes sense absolute sense makes absolute sense i'm fascinated by the military background and like we said beforehand before i press record people in sport seem to fascinate on what goes on in the military and what can be learned and management leadership uh, under pressure, work under pressure, all that kind of stuff. And I'm guessing the military play do the same to sport. Sport do it to business, business do it to sport. And it's all this kind of everyone thinks that other industries have got all the answers. And I'm interested to hear your take on what's, if there is anything that you learned from your time in the military that is really applicable to sport and what we can actually learn from that environment. Yeah. Um, I think some of the biggest things that I learned in the military that kind of really helped influence my career outside the military or it's maybe not even so much sport in the general, but it'd it'd be like either your work ethic, right? So like there's no, you don't have even opportunity to take shortcuts, you know, because it just, it's not going to work out well for you. (laughs) Like maybe in the civilian world, and that's what I call it outside the uh, military, but in the civilian world, like you might be able to take shortcuts for a short period of time, but like the long-term game, like it's, it's somewhere along the line, it's going to fall apart or whatever like that. And I, I mean, not saying that I've had experience with, you know, shortcuts for long-term, but I think sometimes you have experience with going, well, I don't know that right now. So I can kind of like maybe fake it till I make it for until I do figure it out. You know, this will get me through the next 10 minutes of this conversation or, or this, this situation. And then I'm like, okay, now I know I, I got to go back and look at this a little bit better because I, maybe I wasn't as prepared as I thought I was or whatever like that. And I think those situations kind of just make you better. Um, things like situational awareness, just like knowing your audience, you know, what, whether it's the players, whether it's the coaches, it's like, I can, can kind of pair that to like kind of knowing your enemy in a way. It's like, what are their capabilities? How are they going to affect you if you do this or this or this, you know, is it going to have a positive outcome or a negative outcome? So it's like kind of understanding that in your environment. Um, uh, the ability to adapt basically is a big one. I think is just kind of, um, like you said, those stressful situations, I think, I always, it's funny that you, we call stressful, but everything's a relative. And I've, I've learned to call of course, it, uh, of course. the ice cream, I call it an ice cream cone analogy where, you know, you can go up to a seven-year-old and slap the ice cream cone out of their hand. And it's like, at the moment, it's the worst thing that's ever happened to them. Like they're just devastated, but you know, you're 37, you might be a little set being 36, 37 years old, dropping your ice cream cone, but you're not gonna, you're gonna go probably just go get another one. It's not a yeah. big thing, right? So, so I call it, so everything's relative in that sense. So like my version of what's stressful and maybe some of these players or some of these coaches versions of what's stressful is, you know, a little bit different. So keeping that in mind as well, that things are relative and um, using that 
also is from a coaching standpoint or whatever it is or application standpoint it's just you know again knowing your audience and and understanding that um integrity i think that's one of my biggest ones that i think i've learned in the military it was like um doing the right thing when no one's looking is kind of how i sum it up it's like you know at this level you know you're kind of expected to have some type of ownership in your thing it's not just like a job that you get when you're growing up and you're like ah you know i'll do enough to get by today and that's it and it's like now every day you need to like actively be doing stuff on your own researching and reading and and just trying to learn and go looking back at some of the stuff that you've done you past programs your past years your past seasons and understanding like could i've done this better could i've done that better having conversations with other people you know admitting your mistakes and stuff like that and then just having pride and almost i i kind of like my mistakes for the most part i learn way more off my mistakes than i do on things i do well because it just kind of sticks with you a little bit harder um and that's i think some of those points are I think in, in both sides, I think we can learn from the military standpoint, we could learn from sports, which I have on like what, you know, how they act and how they, they articulate things. And, and, and maybe there is a sense that it's always very similar. I found that pro sports is very, very similar to sports in the environment, the, the hierarchy or the chain of command, or if you want to call it, you know, you have the head coach and it kind of trickles down or whatever, you have the GM, you got, you got your head strength coach, you got your assistant strength coaches and like using that chain of command to either communicate to the top or vice versa and how information is disseminated on top down or vice versa um, is a big role in success in a lot of programs. And I think that's how the military is able to succeed in those ways where they have this structure of things. And it's, it is what it is. It's really hard to deviate from some of those structures at times. Um, not saying you should stick with them all the time because situation dependent, maybe you have to, you do have to deviate a little bit, but ideally it's everything structured, everything's in one spot. So, like you already know what to expect where if you come into an organization that might not have that structure and it's not well you might learn that some of those teams might not be winning as much or they might the outcomes might be a little bit less positive than than they should be where you come into a situation where everyone's on the same page like hey this is what it is and this is what i expect from you you know i think that's I think it sets you up for success in a sense where like there's nothing missed mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah no absolute sense absolute sense so how did you take a slant towards the sports science side i know you've got you've got two roles with the, the snc side and the, and the sports science but was the was sports science always something that interested you that the tech the numbers the data the analysis it's funny um i, was, I start with absolutely not probably okay. <laughs> one, because i didn't one i guess at the time when i was going through school i i knew about it i knew it was a thing um i didn't know the extent of it i didn't know like how deep it actually went into sports um you know and so i initially was going in school with the thought of being strength coach purely and you know i had um was good in the sense where it was the undergrad and exercise physiology was a little bit more clinical based so you got a really good understanding of the principles and the and the why behind a lot of the things before even learning what programming or exercises you were due so it was, and then the master's degree was actually exercise physiology with a focus on strength and conditioning which is one of the very i think some schools are adapting that now but um, at the time it was one of the fewer schools that actually had a focus on graduate program with a focus on strength and conditioning itself where they actually have you in their programming and, and and going through the programs and coaching the exercises and stuff like that um as well as 
applying that clinical side of things from that you learned in the undergrad. Um, so they did a really good job in that standpoint. But to answer your question, I, I didn't know. I was in then when I was an intern, I was more of a strength coach intern here. Um, and Crying and Dave, they were really good about letting their the interns, they even call them staff assistants, not even interns really. It's more just giving okay. them, allowing them to have their own coaching voice and kind of develop that because I think that's going to be, that's going to benefit the most, especially from those experiences or those internship positions where you're, you're learning. I mean, you're not, you're, you're doing some stuff, you know, filling the Gatorades and whatever it is, like stuff that's just part of, the, part of the role, but it's not like they allow you to do, you know, allow you to coach, find your coaching voice and maybe have a, um, AAR, like an after action review um, after the session or something. Hey, you could have done this different. You could have done that different. So I think um, they, this position, I've just been lucky, I think, in the sense that I've learned a lot from people. And then I learned a lot from Wayne. Um, he ended up calling me back and I helped him a lot with some research and things like that. And as well as uh, Dave Regan, he was the, um, yes, he was working uh, yep. with, with uh, Wayne as well. So um, when I came back, like he kind of took me under his wing quite a bit. We actually shared an office together for a few years. And so it was like, I was really able to learn a lot from him too. So I got a lot of respect for that guy as well. Um, and his ability, his, he, he just saw things differently on, on paper and the analytical standpoint and statistics standpoint, he really understood some of that stuff where I kind of, I kind of struggled. So I, like, I remember in school, I had, to, I had to like, one of my electives was like statistics and like the teacher's like, well, why are you taking this? I was like, cause I, I need to know it. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. I need to learn it. it like everyone's talking around me, and I have no idea what they're saying. So, um, but as I as I helped out more with it, and I understood where kind of the industry was going in that sense. Um, so I, I, get, I built a, a really good appreciation for it as well, and I think it's one of those things that it's evolving so much and so quickly that even worst case scenario, even if it's something I really didn't want to do later on at least I had an understanding and I got, I, I was in a position to know what it is and kind of how to interpret it and, and speak the language a little bit, because I think no matter if you're a strength coach or sports scientist, you're going to have to know both. Mm -hmm. And almost any, I mean, some teams are able to, you know, have a, a sports science guy strictly towards that. But I think in order to bridge that gap between strength conditioning and sports science, I don't, at my, in my eyes right now, I don't think they're, they're different really. That's right. I think they're literally the same thing. They're just, you know, talked about differently in a sense, like maybe it's a different graph, but all in all, it's, if you make a graph because of your top sets, that's technically science. If in, in a sense, when you're taking sport and your spines, there it is. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, absolutely. It is the same. So having that knowledge now and then just continuing to learn, like it's, again, the world, this, this field is evolving so quickly and so rapidly with new technologies and all this stuff that if you just take a break for five minutes, you feel like you missed something, you know, and so it's, or, or if you open one page and you're like, oh, crap, I, 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 I don't know anything about this. I got, <laughs> I got, I got to learn about this too. <laughs> but, um, so, but I, yeah, I, I didn't start going into wanting to be sports science, but again, like you're offered a foot in the door of a, you know, professional organization and you can learn a lot from other people and, and you've already had experience working with those people before and the environment was great. The culture was great. So you're sitting there and you're like, Oh, well, I got it. I can't pass this opportunity up. Whatever the position was, you know, basket weaving or whatever it was, it was like, I got to get my foot in the door and, and learn more. And so I think if you go in with that mentality, even if it's something you don't want to do, like worst case scenario, you find out you didn't want to do it. Gosh. You know, so I think, 
leaning that way. It's like there's some days I'm like, you know, sitting at the computer long enough where I'm like, oh, what, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but I, you know, at the end of the day, like you're learning stuff constantly, right? Like it's, 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 it's been good. It's been a great experience. And I think I'm just, I'm continually learning nonstop from, from the sports science position because you get to new, meet new phases and new people, you know, and have different conversations like you sports scientists answering coaches like you go to the combine and you just meet all kinds of people or different conferences and it's, it's it's really intriguing to talk to everyone about everything so i think having that appreciation for the for the strength and conditioning and the coach side of it the, the coach part of the title is such a big plus for someone that has found their way into sports science just to like you say multiple times bridging that gap between the two and even though the two aren't particularly separate, but the scene has been separate things for you to have an appreciation for both on the communication side as the coach, understanding what these guys are going through, but being able to step back and look at the numbers and, and reflect and, and relate them two together. I think it's a, it's a really, Absolutely. really yeah, positive thing. Like yeah. On that note, like, especially on the floor, like I'll, I'll be on the floor. I still go on the floor and I coach and stuff like that. So at times I get to do all the analytical stuff as might be in between. It might cut into some of the coaching time, but, uh, for the most part, if it's a busy day, I'll be on the floor and that's kind of takes precedence, you know, and then so the players will still see you as a strength coach and they're still talking to you. So they appreciate that aspect. But then they also can ask you those questions on like the why behind a lot of things. And so and you can give them kind of the principles and kind of give them, you know, that that answer that maybe they're looking for is like, OK, why are we doing this? It's like, well, you know. And of course, you relate it to them in their their way, in their language, or whatever. I'm not saying like a lot of strength coaches do that anyway. So, you know, I think it, if they if they, you have some players or whatever that are a little bit more, um, they want to know a little bit more. They want to know that a little bit deeper because they're really yeah. intrigued by it. And even I had one on the plane the other night ask me about you know what the process was to be sports science and stuff like that. And was it difficult because they're they're already starting like long term. Okay, football is not forever. I really like that stuff. I think it's really interesting and I love it because it's like a puzzle, you know, it's like, you know, okay, all these pieces now let's try to put them together, you know? So I, I think that's how I, I mean, I grew up loving puzzles and whatever it is, but I think that's been a big component for me. That must be, that, that must be great to have one of the guys come over and kind of talk to you about that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the fact that they are talking about it, but the fact they're talking about it with you is a, um, obviously two, two massive positives there. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing that I wanted to spend the bulk of this conversation is around force plate analysis. It may be good to kick off that this, this part of the chat with how logistically it's actually integrated within the program. And when, when the guys are jumping, then we'll just dive into a little bit more of the, of the detail if, if that's possible. But, but first off, yeah, where, where is it positioned? Why was it integrated? Where is it integrated within the program? Sure. And that's, yeah, it's, it's been tough because I think it's been a learning curve. It's been trial and error, which our, this field kind of is. Um, but football's tough because it's, you know, it's so multifactorial where there's, again, like you said, logistics is probably the number one limiting factor, I think, on, on implementing anything. Uh, but from a force plate standpoint, as much as we'd like to get like three jumps a week, it's just not feasible, right? Like if we're lucky if we get one. Um, so to start, we probably in the off season, which we didn't really have one much of this year. So um, that are, again, that's one of those things, but every sport dealt with that. So you just weren't able to, um, we have 
say we'll put one out in like the indoor field and then we'd have one in the uh, the gym itself and we try to integrate it into the workout more so if we can because especially if the guy's like okay well we got maybe box jumps to to start off for like after the prep circuit or get into a little bit of plyos or something and maybe we'll have three sets but hey maybe this one of those three sets is going to be on the force plates or something like that so it's not like they're having to take time out of their way to okay to just do jumps, you know, yeah. you're already, you're already jumping. Like, let's just do one of those jumps over here or something like that. Um, and then, and we found that we try to get at least, um, one per week if we can. Um, and we always try to, obviously we try to standardize it as much as possible. And ideally we'd like guys come in on, you know, three days after the game, you know, we call it G plus three on like say that Wednesday or whatever after the game and, and get their jumps in in the morning before practice but some guys just you know based on the schedule like some guys just choose after practice but we always try to make a point like hey if you're an you're a before practice guy working out like let's keep it that way your post but again situational dependent things happen things change a little bit and we just try to be aware of that but for the most part we try to get the that same you know a few days after the jump um just where the guys have the ability to kind of recover a little bit from that the previous game and kind of see where they're at from week to week standpoint um, go ahead. So, yeah, I was going to say. So that is that is that the premise of the the, the jumps as a, as a whole, as a global? Why we do it to actually just get to an idea of where these guys are at. Um, so in off season, we would we probably use it more from like a training um, adaptational standpoint. Okay, kind of, we might you know see hey what are we programming really working is that guy kind of pushing himself enough like okay everyone else is getting adaptations but this one guy isn't like why is that okay maybe he's not really getting the max effort or whatever it is or someone's bothering him he's not saying anything and you know maybe it leads to conversation with the guy at least you know at the minimum so um but from an in-season standpoint we we do look at a more of a fatigue and like readiness um in we, we still it's like maybe the guys don't maybe practice as much or whatever it is that we try we try to look at some like a force velocity profile of some sort, which we're still kind of in the works of working on and, and optimizing in a way where we can kind of be like, okay, this guy needs to go, he needs to work a little bit on more power, he needs a little bit of this. Because you do kind of some, depending on what we're doing, if say the guy's not getting a bunch of practice reps in and everybody else is, and we're kind of basing a lot of the training based on, you know, like that, the lowest common denominator in the sense of like, okay, look, this guy's like, majority of these guys are doing this, where, you know, some of them, maybe aren't doing all that and some of them might be possibly doing more and like we, we might our guys are doing more are the ones that usually are maybe doing the starters or whatever like that's so where our focus and tension may be a little bit more on them but we try to keep in mind like the guys that maybe aren't getting games in because they're the practice squad guys or whatever it's like okay it's important they might have to do a little bit more to maintain those residuals throughout week to week throughout the season um because heaven forbid they they don't and then you know they get moved up and they go to a game and that's when we start seeing you know some stuff but um does that answer your question like sometimes yeah no <laughs> no don't worry don't worry no, no it's good it's good it's good so is there any particular metrics that you are and like you say trial and error might be interesting to get a little story of is there anything that you used to hang your hat on that you now moved away from is there anything that's coming from the cold that you didn't used to but now you do is there anything that you would particularly look towards for that readiness um, piece? Yeah, um, so I guess it's kind of been like all over the place in the sense that we, we started with um, force decks and which it's were good. They were good, you know, and they, we you know 
uh, Daniel Cohen came and visited us a few times, talked to us. He's, he was great feedback for us and kind of helped us. And I was still very new. You know, I'm, I'm learning just what force plates were. And you're looking at this, oh, wow, this thing gives you 600 metrics. And you're like, oh, what's what? And you're like reading every article and every time. And it's like just trying to understand what is what. And I feel still feel like I'm doing that sometimes. I, I'm still like, oh, man, this is. Um, but recently, we've last year, towards the end of the year, we ended up going with um, – Hawkins and just from a, a usability standpoint and their platforms, it's just so kosher friendly that it's like, it's just, and the numbers kind of just make sense a little bit more um, what they're giving you. And, you know, maybe it was our testing, whatever it is, our strategy, what we were using with force plates before. And again, it's, I think that was our big trial and error phase too. Hey, let's try this. Let's try that from a logistical standpoint. Can we do it on these days? Can we not? Let's try the mid thigh pull. Is that possible? Is that feasible? And, you know, maybe there was limitations to the program, the software, the internet connections, and, you know, who knows? Like, and, but you only have a limited amount of time to get the buy in from those guys, especially when it's something, you know, you know, okay, we're trying to jump post game. We're trying to do Nord board measurements and whatever it is. And it's like, okay, now we're asking these guys to do a lot. And, we just make sure we got to give them feedback on it too. But, um, but from a metric standpoint, um, recently I kind of, kind of just was it last off season. I kind of look back at some of what we've seen, even with some of our four sex data too. Is I kind of look back and saying, okay, we've had either these guys get injured throughout the middle of the season or whatever it is. These were our guys that were very compliant on jumping, and you know their numbers are you know pretty reliable for the most part. And it's like, unfortunately, I, like, we maybe get 16 measurements throughout the season. And that's kind of like, would we like more? Yes. But, you know, but for the most part, you get what you get and you kind of try to make trends off that and identify those things. But we would look at, um, I started looking at like a lot of it was um, breaking phase or the eccentric duration, which was in the uh, um, force decks, but and, you know, I was just finding common trends. I'm not saying that is the number one factor, but any one of our guys that have, you know, a, a season-ending injury for the most part or a pretty severe long-term injury, that, that you know, drops 20%. And I was like, okay, that's pretty significant. Um, I'm going to, okay, it might not be the only thing I'm going to throw. I'm definitely not going to ignore it, though, you know, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it on the paper to look at. Um, and a lot of people are like, why do you look at that? And I'm like, well, you know, like I use logic and like how to use common sense in a sense where like, okay, well, let's think about it. Breaking phase, if you're dropping down um, and it takes you longer to do so, you know, you have more time under tension you're increasing the amount of metabolites uh, and, in, 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 you know, in the, the fatigue in the legs and stuff like that. So if you, if that one or three jumps are, has decreased 20% and then you go out on the field and you have to do that another hundred times, you know, towards that hundredth time, I'm sure like, the muscles that you know the primary movers and everything like that were that were actually contributing to that um braking phase or whatever it is your ability to basically land or load the brakes that's that's and they're not working anymore and it's other things are gonna have to take over and maybe the things that we don't want to and so i i kind of that's how i viewed it and was just like okay you know more time under tension increased chances of fatigue over time especially x cells d cells stuff like that and over time it just builds and builds and builds and and all that, all the negative hormones in there are just kind of just eating away at everything. And you're like, oh crap. So but that's kind of, I try to use some type of logic and okay, why would this be important? Like, let's go through the movements in our head. So when I'm looking at metrics, I try to pick one from almost each phase, at least one from each phase, just to kind of see what that pattern looks like. Cause at the most, you can probably at least identify there was maybe a, a change in counter movement strategy, um, opposed to maybe it's not fatigue, but again, 
you go back to, okay, his jump just looked different or he performed it differently. That opens up another room for conversation with the athlete. A lot of the sports science stuff and a lot of these like force plates and stuff like that, I think at the minimum, or even sometimes it, it just stops there too, is, hey, this just leads to the conversation with the athlete. I'm never like, oh, hey, we need to take this guy out or we need to not have him practice or whatever it is. It goes, all right, well, let's let's go talk to him. Like maybe we didn't discuss it in the meeting that he got hit in the, hel- like in the knee with a helmet or something like that, or he didn't bring it up or something. And it's just like, hey, let's go talk to him. And maybe that's just the case. And I'm like, okay, well, now it makes sense, you know, opposed to, yeah, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just feeling really this. I haven't eaten. Talk to the nutritionist. He hasn't eaten in like two days. And you're just, okay, well, now we have to start thinking about other things, you know, and you're looking at the overall load or whatever it is that he's doing. But um, from, but from that, uh, from metric standpoint, like I'll just look at like, um, I look at stiffness, uh, breaking impulse, breaking phase, breaking RFD, RSI mod, uh, propulsive impulse, and uh, peak propulsive force. And, and that's just kind of like, it gives me like a good snapshot of what the jump kind of looked like in my head. If well, I would actually seen the guy jump and maybe one of the other guys was doing the recording of it or whatever, I can kind of get an idea like what his his jump looked like. Which I always like to be the one to record because when I'm looking at the numbers, I can go, okay, his he had a, he definitely had a deeper counter movement than he usually does or whatever it is that's w- which might change some of those metrics but typically one of those six i'm like okay we're looking at it and when we compare them i'm kind of comparing them it's in football it's different like it's it's a, it's a week-to-week sport and a lot can change from a week-to-week standpoint so you have receivers or, or defensive backs and who they're going to be facing who their opponent is that week is he like rated the number one receiver in the league or defensive back in the league where it's like he's, he's going to he's going to get some work in this week or, or, you know, are the routes primarily like go routes where they're just getting non, you know, we had what, five or seven kickoffs this last game, which is all great stuff. But, you know, now you got guys hitting six, 700 yards at 16 plus, And he's like, okay, that's, that's taxing, you know? So for, especially from a neurological standpoint, when you got to do it all the same thing the next week. So um, to include a five hour travel or whatever it is. So I think, you know, you, you try to keep all that stuff in mind when you're looking at some of these things and kind of what you expect to see versus what you don't expect to see. Um, and again, it all just leads to a conversation with the athlete first and then and then maybe or the positional coach or whatever. Like, hey, during practice, did you guys have him do these kind of routes more so? Or like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Or, you know, a guy is out of practice and he has to now increase reps by 50% than he normally does. So it's like just again, putting the pieces of the puzzle together and trying to identify trends within what you have. I mean, research definitely has helped, but from there's not a whole lot on, on American football because it's so hard to get collect good data on, on guys. Cause either, you know, maybe I can't jump this week cause they rolled an ankle or, you know, whatever it is. So you're kind of using, maybe you have two jumps on him from the previous year. Then he's just now coming back for a turn to play. And you're like, ah, okay, not really much to go out with, but um, you know, so you just kind of like, try to find trends that work with you and what you've been trying to identify in the sense. And if things start to make sense based on those and everything, you just stick with those and try not. I mean, it's, it's good to understand them. And if you have to get rid of like, just like, okay, yeah, these aren't working, let's change it. But I tried to do as little changing as possible, especially in the season or whatever, because as soon as you start changing, it's like you're starting all over again. And that's, yeah, of course. you know, so, um, but I hope that answers. I'm like, I'm, I know I get a little off France and stuff. No, no, that's fine. It's good. It, it's all it's all coming back to me to the benefits of you having the the coaches the coaches eye and and been out there with the guys and been able to contextualize things. Okay, I'm looking at this. How does that relate to what I'm seeing 
either in the in the weight room or on on the field. I think that's the to me that's what's coming across as such a positive for for someone like yourself who has them them two sides of the brain almost that the coach and the and the sports scientist. You hit the nail on the head with that. I think it's like, I think the normal way, anytime going into anything or before I adapt another form of technology or whatever like that, I'll, I'll ask myself those contextual questions of okay, how does it fit into our program? How does it fit within logistics? What can I gain from it? Is it going to make any changes based on the outcome or is it not? And if not, I'm not going to use it because uh-huh. I, I don't want to be the guy that just tests to test. I think less is more if you can really hone in and, and, and fine tune some of those like three things that really can go into decision making opposed to being mediocre at 10 things and maybe one of it really is used or utilized then it's i think you're going to be far better off you don't confuse anybody you actually get more buy-in and things like that so when it comes to like just yeah just asking the questions to yourself and then to others and again using that contextual evidence and, and the coaching element i think is one of the most powerful tools that we use and if you as soon as you, you, you remove it and sit behind the desk and just read the data, even though you're not the one collecting it, I, I think that's you're going to find problems. You're going to find stuff that might not have been there. You're going to look for things, and if you look for things, you'll find them. And it's not necessarily a good thing. So we're just going to take a very quick break in the chat with Adam. Hope you're enjoying part one. So over in part two, we dis- continue to discuss the theme of force plate technology and the analysis of that data. So again, in this part two, it comes across to me how Adam's coaching eye and his time on the floor and on the field is able to help influence the coaches based on the data that he's collecting from his from the force plate and various other data as well. So really interesting part two coming up with Adam. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by Output Sport, a Swiss army knife for optimizing off-field performance. So Output Sports have developed a one-stop portable tool for comprehensive, valid and reliable athlete assessment. So for the first time ever, you can access metrics such as jump height, barbell velocity, Nordics and speed agility, all with the single wearable sensor. So Output brings unparalleled efficiency to athlete testing to allow sports organizations, performance centers, teams and athletes to make data-driven decisions. So this technology has originated from eight years of research and co-developed with over 40 sporting partners across the globe. You can learn more about Output on OutputSports.com or follow them on social media at OutputSports where you can also schedule a demo. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by AthleteMonitoring.com, the world's most comprehensive, versatile and cost-effective athlete health and performance management platform for elite sports. So AthleteMonitoring.com is trusted by top development programs, universities, professional teams, Olympic programs, national sports organizations and research institutes worldwide. It streamlines data collection, centralizes the management of wellness, training and performance, medical and testing, and administrative data. It also simplifies the interpretation with best practice analytics and evidence-based methods to optimize performance and reduce injury risk. So with all these features on a single platform, AthleteMonitoring.com seamlessly brings key stakeholders together to build healthier athletes, more efficient organizations, and long-lasting successes. To see what AthleteMonitoring.com can do for you, visit AthleteMonitoring.com and schedule a free demo, or follow them on Twitter at AthleteMonitor. 
This episode is also sponsored by Omega Wave, which is the only non-invasive, at-rest technology on the market that analyzes readiness to train via both brain and cardiac analysis. So using DC potential and HRV to understand your brain's energy level and autonomic nervous system balance allows you to use objective data on recovery and readiness that in turn helps you to truly individualize your training and thus optimize performance. Omega Wave also measures ECG from the V6 position and this data can be used by the medical profession to check cardiac health on a frequent basis. The measurement only takes four minutes to perform and results are visualized in an intuitive way thanks to our windows of trainability concept. Omega Wave is used by hundreds of elite sport athletes, military and law enforcement agencies. They're also an official partner of the UFC Performance Institute. So to learn more about Omega Wave, visit their website, omegawave.com or visit their social media channels. My next question was, so do decisions get made based on this information? Is it, is it, has it become useful? You've been through the trial and error period. I know it's, it's painting, it's, it's adding to the, the picture, the painting of the picture, but does it actually inform decision-making for you guys, which means that it, is a positive addition to your program because obviously everything like you mentioned the nordboard everything extra is an extra half a percent on what you're expecting players to do so that's got to offer some sort of return right so i'm guessing because you're still doing it there is some sort of return um so Absolutely. yeah it's positively affecting decision making from a- i think so yeah i think again that's that trial and error like face okay this wasn't being used last year we didn't use like you still collect the data because you kind of want to see because sometimes it's, you have to go through a year getting data to really kind of understand and see what it's going to tell you if anything um but i think for the most part we've we've done a good job of kind of narrowing out and, and, and weeding out what we don't want and what we do want based on what you know it's like okay we were using heart rates during the off season especially remotely kind of get a guy like his effort levels and then kind of watching his his conditioning like either get better or maintain and, and then we can adjust their programs based on that especially when we weren't seeing them we thought that was good and i think heart rate's a super important thing but for us is it and then like whoever your audience is is it, it going to change the decision making um more so than what you're already doing because now I'm like, okay, I gotta make sure the guy's got his either the shirt or the strap on, and I gotta find it, I gotta upload it, I gotta do all this stuff, and it, you know what I mean. So it's like a lot of moving pieces that come with that that one piece of equipment, and half the guys aren't wearing them, they get knocked off because they're getting banged around, whatever it is. It's like, and it's like, but you know, your coach goes, I, mean, I just want, just tell me about the yards, okay? Oh, when we don't need heart rates, well, we still use it. I mean, we still use it on our own way, like example for the heart rates maybe we do a quarterly heart rate run in a sense just to make sure and it's a standardized run and that you just have it it's like time-based or whatever and we just kind of use that to look at make sure the guy's conditioning isn't getting too far out of the red like into the red or you know it's just kind of maintaining again just kind of just kind of checking ourselves again real quick just make sure yep check the box we're still good here we're still good here or we have to maybe adjust on the go or something like that but um yes no i think we this has helped with decision making as far as because it's it it's almost like stuff we already know it's just kind of quantifying it for us in a way it's kind of just letting us know it's like nope you're 100 spot on it's like hey man that guy look he looks smoked he looks taxed right now and like you know and all of a sudden he jumps and stuff and he's just like all his values are just plummeted and it's like okay then you go back and you look at his 
his game data or whatever it is, his practice data. And it's like, oh man, he's, he had, he had a big, big week, you know, so it makes sense. He's, he's smoked, you know? So I think, you know, by getting that and looking at it, he's like, okay, well that's just confirmed kind of what I was thinking in my train of thought. So now again, it goes back to the conversation with the athlete conversation with the coaches, especially depending on where he sits on the, the depth chart, you know, it's like, okay, well we had a big week and he's like, that's our guy this week or whatever it is. Like, he's going to be the one that's kind of going to be the the game-changing factor maybe because who he's lining up against on the other side is, you know, their guy might be out. So it's like, man, we're just going to – they got a rookie back there that, that really doesn't know, and he's about to face one of the best receivers in the league, and that kid has no clue, so we're just going to beat him to death. So we got to make sure this guy's good, you know, or whatever it is. You got to – you know, whatever scenario fits that sport or whatever, I think that's – Again, back to the contextual fact things of, of just identifying those things. And it's like, and if you word it in a certain way and, um, and that's going into, I think later down in, in the notes, but the communication of certain things of how you communicate them and, and who you're communicating to know your audience. And you can go up to, Hey, our, our guys at 80% and your coach is like, what the f- fuck does that mean? <laughs> like, you're like, uh, uh, <laughs> yes. But if you tell them like, Hey, yeah, he's he's hurting today, or whatever it is, and you kind of learn how that coach wants to see things, or whatever it is, and, and pitch it to him that way. And he goes, "Yeah, no, you're right. Okay, got it." And again, it takes time to to get that buy-in, I think. But again, articulation and, and the way you, because if you start just throwing information at him right off the bat and these crazy graphs and colors and all this stuff, and it's like they just want one bar graph or whatever it says. Like this is what the team did today over time and you just look at the trend of that or something that compared to every other Wednesday or whatever and you go he's like man these yeah we had a shittier game because we did twice as much as we usually do on on this week and the coaches go oh yeah okay that makes sense um so I think based on certain things and the way you you get that information to the right person I think then yes it will definitely have that positive impact and, and make those changing decisions especially when you know, I think, and I don't say, I don't want to say this is what it was last year. It was a change changing for, for us in a sense where, you know, and the coaches were really like hammering the guys down, hammering them down. Like, um, and then we finally got to a week where, Hey, listen, maybe, maybe we try like a walkthrough or reduce the volume of practice intensity can stay the same. You know, we're okay with that. And just kind of reduce the load that the guys are getting. And, you know, we didn't win the next game, but, but that you could, Anybody watching that has been watching, like if you tell the perform better, it was okay. Oh well, there might be something to this. Now I'm not saying that was it, you know. I'm not, but it didn't hurt, you know. So, and, and then since then, like I think, you know, you just kind of like push a little bit more, push a little bit more, like you know, you know, dogs do sometimes with the begging. It's like, oh, I'm gonna get a little closer. I'm gonna get a little closer and, <laughs> and see what I can get away with here, and, and see how much I can actually put in um, in his lap, and then how much they actually take in and use and utilize and, you know, don't get to the point where you try to abuse it, but take what works and go from there. So I'm, I'm interested to know, just going back to the, the kind of trial and error period and the integration of, in this case, um, false plates and how, from a net, from a player perspective, what's their expectation in terms of the, okay, I've been asked to do this little bit of technology has been incorporated into our, into our gym session, I can see people collecting data. That then numbers have been collected on on me. At what point am I happy with not the data collected itself, but like I'm getting something back from that? Like I'm getting a report, I'm getting some sort of feedback. Because there's only so many times you can do it 
during a trial and error period where someone's going to go, what, what are we doing this? Like, who's, who's looking at this? Is anyone looking at this? And whether, and whether that be coaches or, or players. Yeah, definitely more, more so players are like that. Mm. Especially ones that maybe came from a school that didn't have it and they were just maybe, they just have this genetic predisposition of being like a, a godly athlete, right? Everyone wish we had it, you know, <laughs> like this, they hit the genetic lottery. So they're like, I don't need this. I'm, I'm, I'm already great, whatever. It's like, it's mm. like a, you're not wrong, right? <laughs> but like they don't really. It's so trying to get that buy-in, I think, is that, that gets really challenging at times, especially depending on how it was initially established in a way where we've had, we've all had experiences. I think everybody in the industry, but we have also had to. We're jumping, we're jumping, we're jumping, especially at the beginning when we first adopted force plate. I'm like, wow, well, let's let's see kind of how this goes. How do we, how do we utilize it? How do we incorporate it? You know, we were having guys come in between meetings to start and doing it that way. And it's like, that was a nightmare because they're like, no, because you know about logistics and, and American football, it's you got five minutes between meetings when you get a break or then you have lunch and then everything that's very time scheduled based and there's very little free time in between those things. Um, so when you try to sit there, oh, no, you got to come in for this. And then the technology starts messing up and they're like, no, I'm out of here. And then you already lose them. They're like, I don't have time for this. You know, so I think those were a lot of error points for us. And like, OK, we really if we really want to use this, we need to find a way to. To one, put it in somewhere where they don't feel like they're being tested or assessed. Right. And then also they need feedback. I think feedback is one of the most important things. And I think. Um, Hawkins has also done a really good job with this as far as like the way they have their their software and the platform set up on the tablet and kind of where it gives you that you can select what metrics and what numbers you give them. And so I'll give them instant feedback. Um, and I, I, I try to treat it like a almost like a video game. You know, I, I, I feel like I'm still a younger guy, but like I forget sometimes I'm like 15 years older than some of you. But I'm like, I'm like, well, I like video games and stuff. And like, these guys are always playing, but they, you know, they always have it in the top of their mind. The high score wins. So uh, one of those instant feedback metrics would be like, I just use peak power. You know, it's not maybe um, one of those things that I use to really make decisions off of in a sense. And, you know, I'm sure there's others I could use, but the bigger number, the guy likes it. And, and it doesn't throw off their mental state either, where it's like it, it's one of those numbers that might not drop a block when all the other ones do. And where they're like, oh, man, I dropped 30 percent or something like that. It's like or 20 percent from last week. And then like then you drive, then you get in a whole another all the things. Yeah. Now they're then, you know, a lot of these guys are mental guys and you don't want to kind of stay away from that. Like, I'll see it. I'll be like, oh, okay. I'm gonna have to look at this stuff a little bit later on him. But like the power whenever it's like, oh, no, you're right within your average. I was like one, two percent is not a big deal. You're good to go whatever and and again i don't like to lie to the guy you know i don't but i'm I'm also feel like i'm not so much lying to him but i'm more protecting him from himself in a sense of overthinking something and 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 just you know whatever so um so i'll use like something like that from a and then we'll put it on a leaderboard and i'll even we'll even go as far as waiting for the leaderboard so maybe the first few weeks we just do the jumps yeah it's novelties there it's like okay cool we got jumps what's my number what's my number what's my number and a few weeks later, then I'll incorporate the leaderboard. 
to to like kind of reignite that that Dive up again yep. and, and bring it back and you know because it does wear off over time and then now everyone now it's a competition again now everybody sees everybody's numbers on there it's like oh on this i'm 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 eight thousand oh i'm gonna jump again and they you know you make it competitive you gotta make it fun and then you start getting some of those max efforts back and of these guys especially even after a win or whatever like that the guys there's punk the mentality is good you know so you just kind of reinforce more of what you're doing in a different way that they don't realize it's happening, but we're doing it that way. And then the next phase is like a couple of weeks go by and now we're giving them quarterly reports. So we'll give them a quarter report, like a player analysis or pro player profile in a sense. And we try to make it very simple, um, which is, Hey, this is, this is your peak power of, of all time. This is what you did this week, this quarter, right? If it's down, then that just means either one, you need to recover. Blah, blah, blah. Again, it, it leads for them to have a conversation with us at that point. Because we'll, we'll leave the report in their locker. They show up on that Wednesday or the Monday or whatever, and they kind of go, okay. And, 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 yeah, we have to explain some of it to them in a sense. Like, hey, this graph is this. This graph is this. But it's not so jumbled with stuff where they're like, what? I don't even know how to read this. It's like, here's a number, and here's where you are. This is your best number, and this is where you are now pretty simple to understand and i think they go okay well what do i got to do to make it come up and it's like well let's talk about it you haven't been sleeping you haven't been eating well your nutrition is whatever it is or or you're just gassed overall like now we just need to incorporate more recovery modalities which we have all the recovery things in, under the sun in this building is now we're trying to after that report we've started finally getting guys in coming off on the player day off to get actually use those things and it's like okay that's exactly what we're looking for you know that that player buy-in of things and now they're going now these numbers even mean more to them. So giving that feedback, I think, is one of the most important things you do because you never want to hear the guy go, like, why are we doing this? And if you do, then you you know, you just kind of take ownership in that and go, oh, okay, maybe I'm not doing enough to give them that feedback or I'm not using it the right way. And then, you know, and sometimes you just get lucky too. Like last year was an example of one of our guys, um, we use zebra, so it's like it's all based in the show. It's not portable, but we had training camp somewhere else last year. And, um, one of the guys that we just kind of, I don't want to say use the word concerned, but one of the guys we like to monitor over time. Um, we were just like, hey, we want you to wear this GPS unit while we're out. And, you know, he's like, man, I don't, I don't like that stuff. It never goes. And I'm like, just trust me. I'm like, I need you to just help me out here. It's like it helps us kind of give information and kind of helps us dictate what you do in the future. And he's like, okay. And then it just so happens that like we were able to get him like a day off or a walkthrough like that next day. And he did have a big day at that practice, but I think it was already pre-planned. You know? So it wasn't like, so I, I kind of, again, I don't like lying to the guy, but like in the sense of, I'm like, hey, you, he, he's like, I was like, hey, remember I told you I'd take care of you? You know, remember the GPS you wore? I was like, told you, now, now you're just relaxing on the side and had a day off and I know you're wanting one because you were hurting a little bit. So he's like, all right, I got you, I got you. And then he's, so you get that, like that's almost an instant buy. And so now everything I've asked him to do has been so easy and effortless at this point. So it's, and, and as long as those things continue to, he gets that feedback or the idea of, you know, like you, know, you get the whole team trending downward from a week to week standpoint on like the jumps or whatever it is. And, he's, and you know, you had a big week, you know, I had a big game. The coach sees it too. And you go, maybe we give him a, you know, a walkthrough and you kind of work into the conversation. It's like, Hey, you guys got to walk through this week. And like that, a lot of what we do and what we're walking at. So if you guys don't give it to us, we don't have any ammunition to bring upstairs. So then he's going to be like, well, 
they look fine to me if we can't see anything. So you're just guys going to keep in hammered. So they're like, okay. And now that they've experienced maybe getting that walkthrough or whatever, you know, what, whatever motivates them to do anything, it really is like whether it's, it's money or it's, you know, music. If you crank it up a certain way, they get motivated to do something, whatever, you know what I mean? You just find what motivates the guy and, and, and what's going to get you that buy-in um, in order so you can get good data and you can actually utilize it and make decisions off it. Because I think that's the end goal at the end of it anyways. And as long as those decisions are made and it has positive outcomes, I think you're going to be in a good place. Whilst, whilst you're collecting this, that's on the report, that helps you hopefully get that guy to, to read and then come back, ask questions. Have I, did I see you wearing an aura ring? No? Yes. 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 Yeah. Do, they, do, do, do the guys, do you have the We look at it a little bit later in the uh, okay. um, season where it was kind of like, do we make this decision now to get them? And, you know, as much as we would have liked, there's just so many there was so much stuff this this year. Yeah, I mean, like all the changes we had to make, all the guidelines as it was, and it's like just one who's going to monitor it if we if we do adopt it. Like okay, maybe it was probably going to be me, and that's one more thing I got to start looking at. And but I mean, Aura did a really good job of like letting us try it and, and look at it and, and and utilize it, and they let us keep these for you know the end of the rest of the season. Like we did the strength staff and stuff, just kind of doing the training staff, just to kind of see, you know. We just wanted to do our due diligence and say, "Hey, let's look at some wearables and, and stuff like that." And, but yeah, yeah, that was we, it. Is one something like we looked into uh, going forward, possibly because even once COVID's over, I think it's it'll be beneficial from a sick standpoint. Like, hey, this guy, you got a inactive guy that is kind of getting sick, even though he's not going to play during the game. Like, let's not put him on the plane, you know? Like, it's it's, kind of, it's a no brainer in a sense. But if you can identify that before, I think that'd be good. But um, you, you were asking what the other... Yeah, just any other information that you put on the report that you've had success to enable and, and, and spark that conversation? I mean, we've gone through, obviously, false plate stuff, but is there anything else in that report that you'd see as key to, to start them conversations? Yeah, uh, I think, you know, again, high score wins, so we look at these guys, um, include um, speed. Like, so some of these guys, in the way we've worded it, is they're hitting speeds and um, games that practice might not always allow them to hit sometimes like in and it's not their fault like or you know maybe some days they're just not knowing how fast they're going or whatever it is or they're just kind of having a day where they're like yeah hey, i'll go kind of three quarter or whatever um and we've tried to stress the importance of you know working at those high speeds if you don't train at end range ever you know whether that is even like from a lift to a to a like a maximal like or um effort on field like you, once you get there you're going to have problems. I think everybody kind of sees that. And like, we, you know, you get a guy that pulls something because he's out here during the play or his legs fully extended. And, then, you know, you go, okay, well, yeah, that's the guy that short ranges or short reps a lot of stuff. And he doesn't get full range of motion on maybe a, a hamstring leg curl or something like that. He's only going quarter. I was like, oh, well, ham typically your hamstring doesn't pull when it's, you know, it's flexed at, you know, 90 degrees. It's probably going to pull when it's straight out or whatever, or when it lands on it, it's stiff. But, I think so just trying to speak their language and find their their ways to do it and like I built these radial graphs that look like speedometers you know and and, and we hey this is your all-time max speed same thing with the jump like this is your all-time max speed this is what you did this week during practice you know and it's like we need to make sure you are hitting at least you know maybe in your 90 percent of your max speed um you know and some guys are other ways like wow this guy 
that's all he did. Right? <laughs> Stop doing that. <laughs> you know, some guys you got to pull back the other way, but like, they'll be on the side doing their own extra stuff on the back, just doing sprints the whole day. I'm like, okay, no more. But so it's good to identify that as well too. So they see that you're looking at both sides of it. Right. Um, but yeah, I think speed was a big one. Uh, and that was just a couple of weeks ago where we just started kind of adding that in and we're like, Hey, like, we like be monitoring the GPS or the speeds or whatever it is on the, on during live during practice, I can sit there and say, Hey, like, okay, we're in that week. This is one of the bigger, more intensity practices where we expected you to get those speeds and, and maybe you didn't. And that's maybe because the scheme's a little bit different or whatever it is. It, it might not entirely be their fault. They didn't get enough reps or they didn't get in on those reps that were long routes or whatever it is. So, Hey, after practice, we'll just make sure we get maybe a couple you know, 50s in or whatever it is, a couple a couple striders in, just make sure we're getting some of those sprints in. You know, it doesn't have to be a lot. We just want to make sure they're getting some because, you know, I think if anybody knows anything, if you don't hit a certain number and as soon as you try to, and that's when bad things start to happen, whether it's lifting or running or whatever. It's like, I, I'm going to go try to pick up this steel pipe for the first time. I've never done it before. My back's probably going to be blown out, you know, so... So we, yeah, we try to word it in that way. We try to be logical and, and just using critical thinking and saying, hey, how can we make this easier for us, easier for them? And a lot of it, I think it registered and our numbers were through the roof last week as far as like high speeds and stuff like that. So it's like, oh, good. We're finally, it, it's, it, it means it got through, you know, and then now we're working on putting it up on a, on a leaderboard, not so much a leaderboard, but with themselves where it's like, hey, you hit 95% today or you hit 60% so far this week based on your overall speed. And now it's, again, that's just that, increasing the novelty or, or reigniting that novelty factor of limb work. Like, okay, yeah, it's still important. It's still important. You know, maybe we didn't do it right away because if we did everything right off the bat, then it's kind of loses its interest later on week 16. So using that and incorporating it a new way or you know, just, again, just trying to reminding them like, Hey, this is still a thing. So I think that's, that's one of our metrics I think we've used this year just to, get them to put more effort in on the field even, or after practice or whatever, make sure they're getting that stuff in, even if, you know, maybe it's not requiring them to. Sweet. I said, I said, I promised I'd keep you an hour and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stick to that, but where, where can, yeah, no, that's fine. You're, you're a busy man, but where can people get in touch with you, Adam? If people listen to this, want to have a little chat about force plates or background, whatever it, whatever it may be, where's the best place people get, get in touch? Um, that's the thing. I'm not much of a social media. I don't have really. Love any, it. Um, I don't have a social media. I had, I've had them in accounts before. I just don't. I know like a lot of people use Twitter and all that stuff. I don't. I don't own a Twitter account. I might. I've set it up for school or something like that one time, and I just never actually utilized it. But. Um, I think LinkedIn might have a way to contact me. I have, yep. uh, and LinkedIn I get a message through my email the, that way. I guess that yep. would probably be the easiest way. But for the most part, yeah, I don't. <laughs> Massive respect for that. Yeah, I'm that. A, I was actually my phone broke uh, last week, and I was actually looking at flip phones. So <laughs> yes, good work, good so. work. Yeah, hold out. Don't do it to yourself. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Technology's a lot, and. I mean, I, I, it's important. I think it's done a lot for us, but I also think it gets us away from us just being human too. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. But thank you very much for for coming on, and I'll, I'll guide people to your LinkedIn if they do want to um, if they do want to get in touch and reach out. But really appreciate you you coming on and, and being so open with what you do, guys do there. 
um, really appreciate it. And we'll, we'll keep in touch. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me. It's uh, been an honor, honestly. Pleasure. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to episode 316 of the Pacey Performance Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the chat with Adam. So big thanks to Adam for squeezing me into his tight schedule, given everything that's happened around COVID and the NFL. So really do appreciate Adam uh, coming on for a chat. Also, big thanks to Hawking Dynamics for making the introduction to Adam. So really appreciate that. I measure you, Athlete Monitoring, Omega Wave and Output Sports for sponsoring this episode today. The podcast could not run in its current form without these guys, so I really do appreciate their support. But obviously, your support as well for tuning in and continuing to support the podcast. So thank you for tuning in, and I will chat to you next week.